Welcome to this week in sparkling water. My name is Leo Kamarison. And I don't know where to begin and I don't know which episode this is. It's like I'm approaching episode 150, I think. I don't know where to start, man. I think I need to start honestly and just do a mental health check-in with myself because I kind of had a really difficult week. But at the same time, it's true that one of my oldest problems that I've had my entire life is that I'm always, I always create a weird narrative where I think that this moment that I'm in, the present moment is always, I, I always tell myself that it's especially bad and things are just on the cusp of coming together and bec everything's about to get a lot better any day now. I'm always like six days away from everything becoming way better. And this moment is really bad. Like this week is always really bad. And then it's not, I, I somehow, my mind cannot notice the consistency. My mind cannot notice how the truth is that every week is like pretty bad. And I never turn that corner. And corners aren't turned quickly, regardless. Like things are a lot better than they used to be, honestly. But it's like, it's like that old saying of like, we always overestimate what we can do in 10 months, but we always underestimate what we can do in, or like eight. We always overestimate what we can do in eight months, but we underestimate what we can do in eight years. Because in eight years, you can do literally anything. Like in eight years, you can build an empire. But in eight months, everyone's like, oh, in eight months, I'm gonna, I'll make this plan for myself for eight months. But it's like, nah, it just takes longer than that. There's some weird thing with the brain and time that like, and I really think that it's like this week is always that just, it just happens to be that this week is the bad week. But then also maybe I had a bad week, you know? So I had a, I had kind of a bad week at work, and I don't want to belabor it too much because it's not that interesting, but like I went on vacation, and then I came back from vacation, and part of the problem definitely is that I put all, I get all my sense of self-worth from how other people see me and what other people say about me and signals I get from the outside. I have like absolutely no self-worth coming from within. Like a healthy, stable, adult human being has a healthy sense of identity and self-worth from within, and I really don't, and I just get it from the outside. And when I come back from vacation, I come back and it's a four-day weekend and stuff, and it's super chaotic because it's like a big public holiday weekend, and the city is blowing up, and there's so many people, and everything gets really crazy, and then... When I've been back for like 24 hours, someone just looks at me at work and goes, you know, when you were on vacation, it wasn't chaotic at all. And now it's now everything kind of sucks. And I don't think they meant much of that. I don't think they were being serious. I think they were kind of kidding. I think it was just like a thought that popped into their head that they just kind of said. And they were honestly probably kind of annoyed with how chaotic everything was in that moment. And their brain just found this pattern of like how when I wasn't here one situation and then when I and it but it really fucking hurt my feelings it hurt my feelings so fucking deep because this is like a friend of mine you know that's the problem like I'm like friends with these people like we were a big group and we were all friends and then 
someone was like, Joachim, you, you go be the boss of all these people. And it's like, they're my friends. And it's so fucking hard. And it's such a weird experiment that I'm doing here. That doesn't work. In a, in a profound way, it doesn't work at all. Because one thing that we do know is that business just really, like, psychopathy is how you succeed in plain old regular business. And I just don't have that. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I feel, I am so fucking sensitive and I'm so raw and I'm just such an like hyper empath to a fault and I have no innards and it's just whatever people tell me is how I feel and it fucks me up dude and then there's this other shit where it's like we're just struggling and people are acting out and subordinates are acting out and it's people that I've felt that I've slowly built alliances with them and that we've built mutual trust and we've like come up with a deal for what they have to contribute and what I have to contribute and we built and I reward them with good things because they do a good job and then they just burn all of it to the ground with me and they don't give a shit about me. And it's like I've lost all my humanity in the eyes of some of these people and now they just view me as this like person that they hate because I'm their boss and it like I find it so hard to um, return the favor and just burn the bridge back. I find it hard, so hard to not feel all the like, but cause I'm like, God damn it, dude, what the fuck is this? We, I thought we had a whole thing where we were cool and you just like, are going to act like this and just shit all over me and do a horrible job on purpose. That's not fair either. That's not the right way to say it. No one is doing a horrible job on purpose. That's not that's not it. But anyway, scratch that from the record. The point is just that it's just struggles. And then we're super busy and we're um, understaffed. And blah, blah, blah. There's multiple days of that. And it, that shit, people view that as my fault. Even though it's like, I wasn't the one that quit. I wasn't, it's like, whatever. Anyway, I don't, I can't talk about whose fault it is. It's not that, it's like no one's fault. There's also this other sidebar of how we work in a restaurant and so many of the people that work in the restaurant are really young and this might be their first job or they're older and this is their first restaurant job. So they don't know about this dynamic that all seasoned veteran restaurant workers know about, which is that if you're a fucking server, you want the restaurant to be a good level of malfunctioning. And you want a certain level of chaos because if it's staffed up perfectly, you're not going to make any money. The way to make money is when, when, a, when shit hits the fan a little bit and you just end up getting so fucking much and you get so wildly busy because like someone didn't show up or they just couldn't find enough people and it gets wildly busy and everyone's just running around. Like you want a certain level of dysfunction. And everyone working at this fucking place is so ungrateful because they don't understand that they are making a lot of money now because of a little. But it's also it goes hand in hand with you need to be a seasoned veteran to be like to not melt. Like if you're a noob and you get in that situation, yeah, you could make a lot of money, but really the noobs just melt, you know. 
So anyway, the thing that happened is that there was like this day, and I shouldn't even talk about this, but there was this day where there's a group chat, and everyone in the group chat just started shitting on me, and they don't even do it like, it's such a funny dynamic. They don't even do it mean or big or they don't belabor the point. They just say things that are like a little bit, a little bit critical of me, and I'm so sensitive. And it's such a funny dynamic that there even is a group chat because the group chat is from a long time ago when the, when Natasha was like, hey, we should have a big server group chat. And we all made a big server group chat, her and me, and we got everyone fucking in there and everyone front of house was kind of invited. And then now it's like there's people there that don't even work there. It's, there's like 30 people in this group now. And then sometimes... No one says anything for a few days. And then sometimes, sometimes you hit a fucking vein. Sometimes you hit a fucking deposit. And it just, you hit a topic where people just feel it, you know? And suddenly you can tell that everyone is staring at their phones at the same time. And it's like, there's a little bit of like, Every shit gets really loaded, and people people chime in. People who are mostly just lurking in the group chat, people chime in, and it's so funny, dude. Group chat shit is so fucking funny because it's like, it's just a new like thing that hasn't existed for that long. So the culture around it, that the memes and the like understanding and the and the sort of um. The rules of the etiquette are still developing, and you can clearly tell that some people are just like completely oblivious to how there's a little bit of a decorum of how you need to do it, and other, and some people just fucking will say whatever boring shit every single day. Some people will just comment on every single fucking thing and just be way too, and not have that sense of like, look, there's thirty people here, like it's a. It's the group chat version of hitting reply all, you know, like in an email chain, you should kind of try to avoid hitting the reply all button. But anyway, so we get in this group chat and, and Kaya fucking calls me out and says, what the fuck, Joachim? Why is it like this? And then, you know, other people that I really love are like, yeah, just vaguely critical of me and it just like it was my day off and I checked the group chat and it just like really sunk my heart and now as I'm saying this I'm actually really I'm really embarrassed by it I'm really embarrassed I'm embarrassed but it's the truth and it's funny because like I, I was sitting here on my couch looking at it looking at my phone and I was thinking about like what is it that I'm afraid of and I'm thinking, like, am I afraid of – because what they're saying is that it's not going well in the restaurant. It's not going well. Like, we're way too understaffed, and it's pretty much just Kaya there, and the whole place is full, and, and it's just not a good experience. And I'm trying to play it off, and I'm trying to be casual, and people are like, well, you're kind of being an asshole. And, and I immediately apologize and all this stuff. But so I'm thinking about, like, I'm, what I'm afraid of isn't actually anything, like, real in a professional sense. I'm not afraid of, like, guests having a bad experience and writing bad reviews. And as I'm saying it, I'm getting more afraid of that. And, like, or, like, my superiors realizing that I'm, like, fucking things up. Like, it's not about anything like that. It's just about how we're all friends and I, I'm just afraid of them hating me 
And it's just such a weird thing because then there's this other dynamic. I'm really going to talk about this. I'm I'm so embarrassed. I shouldn't even talk about this, but it's but I'm talking about it. So, in the group, people are low-key passive aggressive saying critical things of me. And then I feel crushed. So then I message some of the people directly and I just like apologize and just tell them that I feel bad and that I feel that my feelings are hurt. And that I'm worried that people mean what they're saying. Like people are saying these this mean shit, and I'm like, do they like do do? I'm I'm basically just I do this thing that's really infantile, but it's sort of what you have to do when you're a highly sensitive person, which is to just lay my cards out on the table and be like, look, I'm afraid in this moment of everyone hating me, so I just ask like. I, some of these people are my bros, so I reach out to them and I'm like, does everyone hate me right now? Which is a ridiculous question for an adult. Like, I'm 30, I'm about to turn 37. Like, it's ridiculous for a 37-year-old to not have an interior. Like, it's, I have no sound structure to my identity and interior and sense of self-worth. So, like, I'm a 37-year-old out here asking people, like, does everyone hate me? And then people in one-on-one, everyone is super nice to me. Cause they're like, they're just like, bro, 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 bro. Everyone loves you and everyone is it's completely fine. Everyone can see how you're doing your best. Like everyone is so nice to me in a one-on-one, honest sense. But there's something about the group where people are just like, yeah, this fucking sucks. This place is not well run. And that's so fucking interesting. But anyway, so that was horrible. And then I had another horrible thing today where it's like people just fucking blowing up my phone. And it's like I'm on – it's my day off. And I've been trying to – there's a conventional wisdom of don't talk to people on your personal phone. Don't do work stuff on your personal devices. Have some layer of insulation so that you can unplug Um, don't be too much friends with subordinates like there's all this conventional wisdom where I've just been like fuck it I'm just gonna dive in I'm just gonna text all these people on my regular phone they're gonna be texting me all the I wake up every morning to like 15 texts from people that need shit from me people that need me to reorganize shit and I just it makes me feel a little bit popular because I'm a fucking loser and I don't have any friends so the fact that I wake up to 15 texts from different people makes me feel like, well, at least I have work going on, you know? At least I have something. So I've just really thrown caution into the wind and just done all this stupid shit where I, people are so used to texting me on my own phone and it's really not working very well. And I think I have to do a complete revamp. I might have to get like a new, I don't even know. I guess I can just tell the 30 people that work that, like, you have to stop texting me and calling me on my personal phone. Uh, I, I That's a lot more realistic than getting a new phone number. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, I mean, regardless. Okay, this is hard. It's actually, it's weirdly hard. It's I actually had to stop recording there for a bit because I just sat here because I had a little bit of a mental, I have a mental block around this. But I think I just have to talk about it. It's like when I don't feel good, I've had this problem in the past 
where I would go to, well, drugs and alcohol was like my thing forever. And then when I quit drugs and alcohol, I would always find a substitute. And then the mo- and then I it would be video games or it would be the news or it would be all this different weird shit on my phone, social media and stuff, just checking social media constantly to numb myself. But the thing I really found that was the only really powerful substitute for drugs and alcohol was to be infatuated with someone new in a romantic way. And I really found that to be thrilling and powerful and drug-like enough that it was something I would go to a lot and I would lean into it and I would, there are many things that I still find really fascinating about it, like how it has a very tenuous connect, like it's not very strongly connected to actually meeting the person. Like I could go on a dating app and and match with someone and start talking to them and then we could just get into this really intense banter of, give, of, of giving each other almost compliment or like just flirting, like really, really intense flirting and then going out on a limb and giving someone and, and asking for like a little bit of a seeing how they would respond to, to being vulnerable and flirting and then to have a positive response to being vulnerable and the, the vortex of like emotions that quickly happen when you then, when they give you what you want there when you when you're vulnerable and they like really uh, match your energy there and you go much so then you go much further and then you end up talking about how incredibly special this is just because it's like it feels good I'm not describing it very well but it's like there's a thing there where it's like flirting can be so it, it can make you feel so much flirting. Like flirting is so powerful. It's like weirdly more powerful than being deep deep into a relationship. Like in a, in a drug-like way, it is like more powerful than being – like 10 years into a relationship, you can have like a really deep love for someone and you can have three kids with them and you've bought a house and there's like a deepness of connection and an intertwinedness that's like – really, really deep, but just in terms of like what's closest to being drunk, it's like there's a reason rom-coms are like all about just like quippy banter, quippy, cute, flirtatious banter where you say something weird and the other person understands it perfectly and says something equally weird back and you understand that and then you just keep saying weird things to each other. It's like there's something there, right? So then because that was my thing that I couldn't stop and 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 the problem with it was always that when I when I tried to turn every romantic relationship into jet fuel and when I tried to turn everything into just how infatuated can I be with this person super quickly and how infatuated can I get them to be with me and how how deep and extreme can we go really, really quickly here in terms of expressing emotions. Uh, it burns out. It like fizzles out very quickly. And that turned into this negative thing. That's where it became like an addiction thing where it was like I was hurting a lot of – because the other person didn't really know that I was just like 
I would do it and I would do it. And after three weeks, I would be so bored with it because the other person didn't know that I was just sort of like, um, what's the word? I was just acting out addictive behavior. I was just like manifesting an addiction. Um, I was just being an alcoholic. I was just being like a dry alcoholic instead of a sober alcoholic. So the other, to the other person, it's like maybe that was kind of real. Like sometimes it was like, oh, and it's all so confusing because maybe sometimes it was real for me too. And that's really the mystery here where it's like, how the fuck do I know if it's real? But so I took myself out of the dating pool basically and and because I was feeling like my only way to cope with negative emotions is to be infatuated with someone short term and then find a new person to be infatuated with. And I'm finding it really hard to judge what my own emotions are here. I'm finding it really hard to, to know if my emotions are real or if this is like something that means anything to me. So and also I'm finding it really hard to just cope with negative emotions without this. So I took myself out of the dating pool just to like sit with my negative emotions because like that's what it is with alcohol, you know? You feel bad, you want to drink, but what about if you just feel bad and then what about if you just feel bad and you don't drink and you just feel bad and you just sit with it and you just let it pass through you or you do something, something else, something that doesn't have like the explosive negative quality of drugs or alcohol or, or, you know, like, you know, unbeknownst to myself, accidentally convincing some fucking, you know, innocent 27 year old girl that this is the most important relationship she's ever, you know, just making, you know, being seeming really seeming extremely Seeming like I think this is extremely special what's going on here, but really like blowing up, blowing things up, you know, just like exploding things. So I took myself out of the dating pool and I was out of the dating pool for a year and I was feeling like I hit a little bit of a, I couldn't really get that far. Because it's a little bit limited what you can do. Like you can work on one part of it. And one part of it is the part of like, I feel bad. I want to run away from my own feeling of feeling bad. And I want to um, get drunk on being infatuated with someone. Like I can, I can fix that by being by, – through like celibacy. Because I can sit with my own bad emotion and just realize that, that I – can handle my bad emotion, but I can't actually fix the other part, which is like the part of, well, in the end, I do want to get into some sort of a relationship where I like feel real emotions where I know if it's, if it's like, is this a real fucking relationship or is this just me trying to be drunk on something? So like I was trying to sit with myself and develop like questions actually where I was like what's what is it that because what I realized many times when I had been infatuated with someone for three weeks it's like at the end of the three weeks when I'm like look I don't I'm not interested in this anymore I could sit there with myself and notice that there was something that I always knew like I always knew that this wasn't 
going to be a real relationship. I knew that this was flawed. I knew that there was some deal breaker here that I was ignoring just to like be part of a vortex of fucking drunken emotion here. Like, um, so I was trying to develop like some questions for myself because somehow I, I, I have this in instinct. I, I believe somehow that if I can just ask the right question to myself, if I can post the right question, then I do know how to find the answer. So for a while I was like thinking about how the most profound thing about finding a partner for me is something about wanting to be impressed. And like I was finding myself getting infatuated with and having short-term um, romances with people that I weren't actually impressed with as people. And I felt like th there's something profound to the feeling of like being impressed where it's like to really respect, like to fully, to respect someone deeply. Like every really, really good relationship in some way rests on a foundation of both people being sort of mutually impressed with each other, where you just like mutually look up to each other because you just really see the other person as this great person that you're so impressed with and you really sort of like want to tell your friends about how cool you think they are in like a big way. Like even in a way where you don't even want to tell your friends because you can just sit with it and you just like you're just so impressed and you feel so lucky so these were questions i was um toying with where i was like is it should it be something like do i sit here with a feeling of feeling lucky in my heart that it, that this person even wants to spend time with me or do i feel impressed with the person and then so i've, I've had all these different questions that i've um workshopped over the last year of being alone of like, so what is it that I'm, you know, like I've asked myself, like it needs to sort of look good on paper. It's probably multiple questions that all need to be, ans the answer needs to be yes to all of them, sort of. Like it, in, in a weird way, the relationship needs to look a little bit good on paper because it's a lot of stuff of like disregarding something that's like a glaring but superficial issue in the end that like catches up with you like we live in reality in the end and it's like it's really like you can yeah i don't know and then like i for a long time i was um thinking just of how in the end a relationship is really just two people spending a fuck ton of time together so in the end it's really like it's not really about you know <sighs> the emotions as much as just like, are do you have fun? Like, do you want to just sit in the car with this person forever? Like, do you want to just sort of like podcast pretty much with the person? Do you want to podcast? Like, do you have, do you think it's content? Like, is it just content and fun to just be with the person? And ultimately, it's so sad with like, dudes who love to hang out with their bros but they end up with some girl that they don't even respect and they find her so boring and it's like really they just want to hang out with their dudes but in reality you just end up spending all your time with at home with like your romantic partner and it's like it's like in the end it should be like your partner should really be like someone you just very plainly have fun with because 
that's what like you you can build a friend group but in the end everyone leaves and it's just you and your partner you know modern society the only relationship we really respect the only relationship that ever really gets cemented is the familial relationship of like a marriage every other thing every other person in your life is liable to call you up and be like yeah i'm actually moving i'm actually moving away you know be it your sister or be it you know whatever family member or whatever person that you thought was your best friend that you really just want to spend time with, but that person might get a job somewhere else and leave. Like the only person that you're going to have there is your romantic partner. But anyway, I was reminded of this enormous search for the question today because I we I went to the movies with Maddie. Me and Maddie went to the movies and we saw the Wes Anderson movie um, Asteroid City. And in Asteroid City, it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful movie. He's so fucking consistent, and all of his movies are like each frame is like a painting, and it's just so the colors and the palettes, and it's all just workshopped. It's just like so crafted and beautiful, and and the pacing and the dialogue and how it has this thing of how the dialogue there's like an someone says something and then the response is said immediately in a very unnatural way, which is not how people talk. Like, in reality, you need to think about what the person just said to respond. But in Wes Anderson movies, they just are... They, they already have the response in the chamber. And it somehow he makes it work. But so you end up with a lot of really disjointed, fragmented one-liners. And then one thing that they said variations of throughout the movie was like, they, they said, they asked this question, is this the beginning of something? And that really made me, I, that, that really reminded me of my search for the right question. Because it's like there's something nested within the question of, is this the beginning of something? That really, um, if you ask that question to your heart, it's like your heart will then answer all these other questions of like, well, is this something that you truly see? Like, it's almost like asking a more factual question than being like, do you have fun with this person? Um, do you feel impressed with this person? Do you feel lucky to even get to spend time with this person? Like, more than those questions, which are questions about the present moment and like, I don't know. There's some difference to asking, is this the beginning of something? Because if you ask, is this the beginning of something? If you truly believe, there's like a vastness in front of you. There's a feeling of a vast open space in front of you. If you truly believe that the answer is yes, then there's like an open space in front of you of like, this is the beginning of something. And I don't know where it will take me, but I know that it will take me somewhere far and deep into the future, and like, you know, you meet someone new, and you like spend a little bit of time with them, and then you try to decide if this is like something you have real emotions with or not, and then you uh, ask yourself, is this the beginning of something? And then that's like a little, a little way to like glean information from your heart to be like, is, do I believe like, do I see it? Do I see it? Is this going to be a big thing, you know? Is this the next... 
Because I don't even know that I believe, I mean, I wish I did, but I don't know that I really believe in relationships that last forever, sort of like till the end of your life. But like, I really think that if you can pull off like a 25 year relationship, that's an incredible achievement. And then beyond 25 years, it's a little bit like, it doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't really make it better. 25 is kind of like the upper limit. That's when you succeeded and just you found someone and it really became like a big chunk of your life. Like 25 years, if you can be with someone for 25 years, it's so much that it's like it's the same as being with someone for the rest for for your entire for 80, 80 years. You know, you marry someone when you're 20 and you live to be 100. Like it's the same. I don't really see a difference there. It's just like. It's so hard to attain that anywhere. <laughs> you know, so funny. I went to the movies with Maddie today, and then when we step out of the movie theater, um, my landlady is there. And I think that there's a really, you know, <laughs> let's just, I don't know. Can I say this on the podcast? Let's just gossip about my landlady. It's so funny. There's something where, I don't know, a guy used to live in the house that I live in that she is renting out, that she has been renting out. And this guy that used to live here, she's now like friends with him. And every time I've met her in civilian life, just out in the wild, she's always with him. Um, they'll come into Holbrook and have a drink. They'll come into Holbrook and have dinner. Mostly they come in and have drinks. And then I walk out of a movie theater and it's the two of them watching a movie. And it's like, it's just like an interesting, you know, I'm just interested in like, well, what's going on here? You know, she's like probably in her, you know, mid, oh God, you don't want to guess wrong, but mid early forties. He's like in his late twenties, maybe just like spending some time together. You know, used to be her tenant, used to live where I live, you know, uh, something interesting going on there but so now i'm making it awkward saying that out loud making it super awkward but anyway whatever let's just uh let's just breeze past that and and talk about how it, she made it awkward today because it's like i went to the i wish oh my god i wish i could i wish i had recorded this moment because it was really perfect it was so it was so concise me and Maddie walk out of the movie theater, and then right after me, it's my landlady and and her and her young friend, and um, her, yeah. Oh, why am I making myself feel like this? I'm feeling so awkward about this right now. But so, and then she goes. We talk a little bit, and then she looks at Maddie and looks at me, and she's like, "Oh, so is this your friend who shows up about once a month? You know, who stays over?" Shows up about once a month and stays over, which is so specific of a question. That's so funny to ask like that, because it's really like if it's not like if you're. Oh, it's so funny. It's like if you're some guy and you're just trying to sleep with lots of women, your fear. I don't know. I'm not that guy, so I don't know. So like I don't. But I imagine I mean, this is probably not true because. If you're some guy and you're just trying to sleep with lots of women, you don't have any fears and you don't give a shit. But if I was trying to do that, my fear would be that someone would call me out on it and be like, oh, so I see a lot of different women parked outside of your house. It's like 
my fear is that someone would call it out like that. But like the real guy doesn't give a shit who does it. Like, let's talk about this on the podcast. There's one other Swedish guy in this county. And he always brings different uh, thoughts, different women to Holbrook. The thoughts is so disrespectful. He's the fucking thought, dude. He's such a fuckboy. He brings different women to Holbrook. And then he does this move where he's always pretending like he's the, it's the, his first time there. But reality, everyone knows him. And he's always uh, doing this move where he um, pr- wants to pay. And he's like, oh, do you have Apple Pay? And he reaches out his phone and he wants to pay with Apple Pay. Knowing full well that we don't take – excuse me, that we don't take Apple Pay. He knows that. And so then – we have to – the bartender has to be like, oh, yeah, we don't actually accept Apple Pay. And then he has to be like, oh, no, that's my only form of payment. Oh, I was going to pay for this, but, oh, you don't take Apple Pay. And then the girl has to pay. And the girl has to pay every time. And it's such a funny move. <laughs> and I can shit on him because we're both Swedes. And, yeah. Hey, look. The podcast is about negativity. Look, I'm being negative about everyone. It's it's fine. I can just be negative about everyone. It's it's uh it's just what this is, you know? Like I don't know how to do anything else. I'm trying to develop some other modality where you're not just negative all the time, but this is all I have. For now, this is all I have. So that Swedish guy is like that. And then so my landlady is like l- looks at Maddie and is like, um, Oh, so are you the are you the person that's parked outside of Joe Kim's house about once a month and you stay the night? And it's like, yeah, me and Maddie used to have a more boy have a boyfriend girlfriend relationship, and now we're kind of besties. And it's like fine, she can ask whatever because me and Maddie are there's a lot of things like Maddie's mom is convinced that we secretly are in a relationship and. Like, there's a lot of, you know, people can't see a boy and a girl be friends uh, without thinking that there's something going on, right? Like, me and me looking at my landlady and, and her young lover. Um, so, I don't actually give a shit, but then Maddie is like, then Maddie responds and she's like, oh, yeah, I think I'm just one of, one of many, many people that... I'm just one of many girls that park in front of Joe Kim's house. <laughs> and they're both slut-shaming me. And I'm an incel. Like, what is this? How are you ga- How are you two women ganging up on me and slut-shaming me when I'm an incel? What is going on here? Also, how is my landlady coming at me like this? She doesn't even live at this property anymore. She left six months ago, and she has no idea what's going on with me. She doesn't know that I'm an incel. What do you mean? No, what What do you mean someone is parked outside of my house once a month and staying the night? Like, that's not true. No one. I'm an incel. Anyway, so this entire conversation is happening. This whole episode is happening in the shadow of how I have been going on some dates with this girl. And everything I've said in the last... How long is this episode? An hour? Oh my god, it's only 42 minutes. 
Actually, the truth is that I started over a few times because I just I'm I'm not doing I'm I'm struggling, I'm struggling. So I I've actually this is actually I think this is a fourth take, because I'm I'm like, I don't know how to feel about things. Um, but so, the forty two minutes that I just talked through this stuff is exists in the long long shadow of. How of how there's a girl I've been going on some dates with, and also she I didn't tell her I had a podcast, but she found it, and which is funny because I in the last episode she listened to one episode and it's the last episode, and in that episode I talked about her, and I don't really remember what I said, but I think I said some nice stuff, but she was like, yeah, it was interesting to. It's interesting to go on a date with someone and then listen to this podcast where the date is being reviewed. That's how she felt like that's what she felt like it was. Like it was a review. But I reviewed it and I apparently and I and I said it was nice. I said it was a good date. And it was a good date. We went we had a first date. It was very nice. And then there was kind of like a second and a third and maybe a fourth and a fifth date. And so we've spent quite a bit of time together or like we met a number of times and yeah she was saying how she was like wondering if because I slept with her and so she was wondering if on the podcast I was going to review that it's so funny oh god now I'm just so full of like self-loathing in this moment the fact that I would even bring that up it's like I'm just such a loser. Like, how, how, why, why am I so fucking cringe, dude? Why can't I just be more normal and, God, I wish I had an interior. I wish I just had something inside of me that was me instead of just, yeah. Because what I'm saying here is I had a difficult week and then this whole week I've been then battling wanting to run away from those bad feelings and leaning into how I am going on some dates with this girl and how we are mutually saying nice things to each other. And that is something I could intensify and I could lean into it more and I could say things to her that's more intense. And then she would be at a fork in the road of like either you like when you say something really intense and emotional to someone about how spec like how this how much you feel something that then they either they have to sort of ghost you or they have to match your energy like you have to either go with it or not go with it and if you decide to go with it if you get manipulated into going with it then it quickly turns into this vortex of erasing the stakes. It's so, I really wonder if people even understand what I'm talking about when I say it like this. Because I think it's kind of a, the behavior of a weird alcoholic, but I also think it's a little bit universal. Just how you can have like, anyone has like been on a vacation and just had a fling on a vacation where it like gets really stormy and you like, you know, you fuck, you you go to, you fly to Italy and you have sex with a French guy for 10 days. And it's like, 
and he just looks you in your eye all the time and he's like oh my god your eyes are like the fucking french ocean you know and you just feel like uh, you just melt a little bit because people love f fucking r stupid french dudes you know i'm like that you know great that's so great i'm so fucking cool such a fucking incel dude maybe they maybe i'm just maybe none of this makes any sense and i'm just like i don't know so um the the i i did a year of being an incel or like yeah i don't know incel the in and incel is involuntary right so if i'm voluntarily doing it am i a voluntary celibate person but it's like is there anything more shameful than or like more embarrassing than pretending like you're that you're tr deliberately <laughs> like you're like the only cool thing about being an incel is that at least you're admitting that it's involuntary you know like that's the only the only respectable thing about the incel is the in that at least they admit that they don't have any power and that they don't want to be in this situation. And, and it's like, it would, am I not just even the worst person in the universe if I live the life of an incel, but I, but I have a, um, what's it called? Delusions of how it's not involuntary. Anyway, my, I, I figured out there was, a, I, I found like a soundtrack to my life, which is this song, Nobody. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I had to Google the name of the artist because I, 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 I kind of found it and I haven't heard any of her other songs and I just sort of listened to the song over and over and I didn't even like, it didn't even register with me what the name of the artist is. But her name is Bess Atwell and it's a song named, it called Nobody and she just goes, nobody is meant for me. And she just makes it really sad and she just makes it this song about how I, no, it's it's more. It's not really about anything. It's just a bunch of fragmented, really sort of unrelated statements. Oh Jesus! Um, and but then she just goes, "Nobody's meant for me." And I just, it just really like, it. It's just like we we have this idea of how we have to figure out how to find someone, but it's like it's also worthwhile thinking about how it's possible that you never find anyone. And that you just die alone. Like it's not the mo it's not inconceivable. And maybe it's okay. You know? Maybe it's okay. And and sort of what the fear of never finding someone is sort of like the trap, I think. Like it, the world is a very sort of Buddhist paradoxical place where like the, the way to get something is to not want it in a way. Like you can either want it so much that you manifest it or like you can want it so much that you get in your own way. And both of those dynamics exist in different situations. And I think with relationships, a lot of times, if you want something too much, you get in your own way. So a year of, of celibacy and just sort of sitting with how it's completely okay if I never figure this out. If I just, like I just sit with, the possibility of like, yes, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict, and I can turn anything into an addiction. And I accidentally, over like 15 years, 
turned so many short-term romances into drug-like high addiction exercises that I broke my brain so much that I can no longer do the thing that I did in the relationship that turned into a marriage, for example, where I like, you start out with infatuation and then it mellows out into, it solidifies into something that lasts a long time. Because that's, in the end, that's the problem. The problem is that even relationships that become, even relationships where you ask in the beginning, is this the beginning of something? And you say yes. Even the relationships where the answer is yes have a drug-like infatuation state in the beginning. That's the paradox. Like, that's the challenge here. That, like, there is no sober way to walk into some to the thing I want. There is only a drunken way to walk into the thing I want. And it's very, very, like, it's a real fucking mystery, the whole thing. It's really mysterious. Anyway, oh, God, I feel like I don't feel good about, I don't feel good about this episode. And I don't feel good about how I handled that thing with my landlady. It's like, she was being really, really, really way too direct. It, because the thing about those questions where you like run into someone who's acting like a slut and you call them out and you're like, oh, so is this like the 10th person you've had sex with this month? Um, the thing about that is like that no one should really be afraid of it, though, because it's like either you did or you didn't, you know? If you did have sex with 10 people this month, then then it's like, yes. Then you should just be like, yes. You've seen the cars of 10 different sexual partners uh, parked in front of my house this month. Or you can be like, I'm tutoring people in Spanish, okay? That's why there's people parked in front of my house. Like, one of the, like, one of the two is, is the answer, and whatever is fine. And... And there are all these bartending memes about the Swedish guy. Like, there are all these bartending memes about where it's like the face you make as a bartender when you're standing behind the bar and you're listening to some some guy say that he's never been to this bar before, but you see him in here with different uh, women every week. And then there are a lot of bartending memes about this where, like, you know, it's the face of a llama. Anyway, I didn't handle it well. My landlady was talking about it, and I didn't. My landlady was... I didn't handle it well. Okay, but so as I'm talking... I'm not being very structured in this episode either, but as I'm talking about this and as I'm thinking about this, I am realizing a few things. And you have to just be okay with, like, this content that I'm creating here, this fucking ep this podcast episode that I'm creating here, it's not really for you. It's It's my fucking self-therapy that I'm doing here. And I am realizing stuff as I'm talking through this with myself. And what I'm realizing as I'm saying it is that, so I'm going on a few dates with this girl here. And I'm, in a way, it's not really that there's a perfect question I can ask myself that I can find an answer to. I think it is actually a lot more important that I just don't um, lean into the exaggerated, unrealistic 
levels of infatuation and the weird statements where like, you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm not explaining it very well, but I could give you some examples of like, there's stuff you can talk about when you meet someone. Like when you're talking to a 31-year-old woman who's feeling really lonely, if you like pretty quickly in a – if you like three weeks into dating someone, start talking about how you really think this is it and and you think you should probably have kids, it's like that – you're – it's 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 fucked up, dude. It's First of all, it's fucked up. Like, it's really fucked up where, like, like you don't – I don't know that I'm doing it, but subconsciously I think I'm doing it just because I'm, like, I just want more. I just want stronger emotions, and I just – not drama, but I just want stronger emotions. So I, like, say that, and then that lights a fire inside of a 31-year-old woman to be like, oh, my God, am I finally finding this? Am I finally finding this thing that I'm worried? My biological clock is like, I, I'm worried that I'm not going to find, like I'm. there's a fear inside of me that I'm not going to find it quick enough. And I'm 31 and it's like he's bringing it up and it's like this feels so good. And just like the, the, the thing you get back in that moment is like so much and so strong in like you can just get such mutual incredibly strong emotion going on there i now i'm saying it now i'm making myself sound way more fucked up than i am or like i'm making making myself sound um way more um evil than i am i'm not that evil and i i think in reality what what did happen once was something where like 4 or 5 months into a relationship that i really sort of believed in um, I did say something like that. I started bringing up how, like, I could really view, imagine myself, like, having kids with her or something. And then, you know, two months later, I, like, broke up with her. And the reality is that, like, I broke up with her because I just couldn't be in that city. Like, that city just didn't. I just was so incredibly depressed and needed to get out of that city. And I did, it did, and that was just the right choice. Like, I just couldn't, I just could not keep going in that city. And she just wouldn't leave the city with me. So, like, if she would have left the city with me, if she would have moved with me, then, you know, I, I think in reality, I actually did really believe in that relationship. And that's actually the most recent time that I think I got pretty deep into a relationship. And I and that's the most recent time where I actually managed to really convert the infatuation into something that solidified into a longer term thing. And that was like a nine month relationship or something. And, and the nine months, nine months is not a time frame where you're just running on infatuation and drunkenness like if you can get make it to 9 months you're you're kind of feeling real like you're calming down and you're sort of you've begun to really build something that's not just the initial teenage romance feeling so 
I don't know. I think I still know how to do it. I just, yeah, the real problem is after that, maybe, where, like, it was after that nine-month relationship that I started getting really sort of, that I started really breaking my brain, but, yeah. So, anyway, what I was saying is I'm seeing someone now, and I think the um, thing I think it's it's actually immature and unrealistic to imagine that there is any question that can be asked like a week into knowing someone. It's more about don't exaggerate the emotions right away and don't get drunk on it. Just be tipsy on it. Just be tipsy and just go with it for a little bit. And don't be don't be weird and don't say anything extreme. And I'm constantly fighting the, the urge to say something extreme. It's so fucking weird and interesting. Like, I'm hanging out with this person, and we are, you know, I say she's hot, and she tells me I'm hot, and then I just want to, I just want to race the stakes. I just want to be like, talk about a fucking serious and, and intense and like, Spe like just all the different ways that you can express how something is like different than anything I've ever experienced, which is like, I, I trick myself into believing that that's true, but it's like not that it's just not, it just drifts away from reality very quickly, you know? And then I don't know, what does it become? It becomes something else. You know, I am become death. It becomes death. Bar Barbenheimer. Now, this is really like, okay, there's two movies coming out at the same time, Barbie and Oppenheimer, and and I'm just referencing how there's a, there's a trailer they made where they pretend like it's one movie where Barbie is like, I am the destroyer of worlds. I am become death. You know? Barbie becomes Oppenheimer. Um, so, yeah, there's that, you know? There is that. There's Johnny mental health issues. There's Johnny addiction issues over here. Johnny addiction issues got a podcast, and he's trying to talk his way through it. And it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely just doing that thing where, like, oh, boys don't want to get a therapist, so instead they get a podcast. Because it's like, it makes it very circular and weird that... The girl I'm spending time with is now going to listen to this episode. I think it's better if I text her and tell her to not listen to it. But I'm not going to do that. Um, because we have to be honest about how being a narcissist is. You got to be honest about that, too. I don't know. There was a lot of shit that happened this week that was interesting. But, like, I don't know if I can talk about it in, like, a funny way now. Today, though, when I was, I, me and Maddie went to the movies, and then afterwards, I'm, I'm um, driving on the highway, and there's, like, a guy, he looked like he was from The Walking Dead. He had, like, blood on his shirt. He had big stains of blood on his shirt and his pants, but in a way where, like, he, I was, I was first, I was looking, like, Shit, is he walking away from a car accident? Did he get in a wreck? And But there was no wreck. And I don't know. It was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. 
And then I didn't see any other cars, and I saw him. And he had his thumb out like he was hitchhiking, like he wanted me to stop and help him. But I'm too scared, and I'm too much like convinced that situations like that, I'm just about to get robbed, you know? So I was like, fuck, I have to call 911 and just at least report that there's this guy here so that someone else checks on him. And then there were 10 out of the cars, and I didn't even do that. And I felt bad because when you see 10 other cars that see him, you assume that someone else will. But, but you know, in psychology class, we all learned about this Kitty Genovese case where it's like if there's enough of us that see the bad thing, we all assume that someone else will fucking deal with the bad thing. And it's actually if there's 50 people that see the bad thing, it's actually – makes it more likely that no one does anything about the bad thing and it's better if there's just one person that sees it anyway i'm tired now so i'm just gonna go to bed um i love you guys and and i'm and i'm sorry i'm sorry about everything you know i'm just so fucking sorry you know i'm sorry that the podcast sucks i'm sorry that i'm a shitty boss i'm sorry that i'm sorry that like ugh. I'm sorry that I'm, like, not nice, you know? Nothing nice. But thank you for listening, you know? I'm trying to be better. What do I do? What do I do? Okay, I need to start doing this thing where, like, at the end of the episodes, I'm like, this is my email address. Email me if you have any thoughts, you know? I think good podcasts do that. So my my email address is joakim.erickson at gmail.com. And if you if you have any advice for me on, like, should I just break this girl's heart? Why did I say that? So rude. So incredibly rude. Like, I just try to be funny all the time, and I'm just so rude and inappropriate. And I'm too old for that. But it's also like, ah, uh, is that capitalism? Isn't rude and inappropriate? Mm, it's very hard to untangle like what's capitalism and what's being like house trained because capitalism wants you to shave down all your interesting sides and just be like this appropriate good little worker anyway i can't yawn on the podcast it makes the episode shittier so email me joakim.erickson at gmail.com if you don't know how to spell that then you know then you're not my friend Thank you.